It's time for Just a Tip. That would make me uncomfortable. Promise that it ain't too much, but just enough. not be hello i am finally here uh on the screen thank you all so much for tuning in to just the tip a little bit later on today i'm gonna have my dude danny hoban come in uh he's gonna be uh joining us from uh the uh, uh el paso wing house there one of our sponsors here on the just the tip network we are brought to you of course by the el paso wing house 4028 north mesa and today we are going to give away a lunch for two That'll happen a little bit later on the show, so hopefully you stick around. You can be entered uh, for your chance to win a uh, lunch for two over at the El Paso Wing House. We are also brought to you by Top View Fitness, located at 6410 Airport Road, Suite A. They're the only place in El Paso where you can buy shred skins. They are our good friends over at Shred Skins. Uh, once again, the world's first disposable and biodegradable uh sauna suit want to give a shout out to our friend blanca who is uh tuned in right now on the twitter feed of course we got different people tuned in all over the place uh our guy augustine pimentel saying hey don't do that that scared me uh i'm not too sure what it is that scared him there's a lot of things that surround me that uh that are very very scary none more so than my face uh we're also live on twitch facebook twitter all over the place uh having ourselves a good old time Augustine Pimentel saying, can't they give us all lunch? It's 10 of us. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% down with that uh, as well. We'll see if we can't find a way to do that, but uh, uh, not not today. Not not at this exact moment are we going to do that. Uh, I have to try once again to uh, send a link out over here to my guy, Danny, who is saying that he is having a bit of an issue with uh, connecting to us right now. So I'm going to be doing that here while I try to gather my thoughts and do all the things that it is that I need to do. want to give a shout out to uh, Jessica Segura Tipton, who is tuned in, Dana Morales, and Andrew Polk. Thank you all so much. Once again, uh, go check out the stuff that Andrew Polk is doing on the Taco Paso uh, Facebook page, all the stuff that he's doing, live local content here uh, in the city of El Paso. Andrew uh, Augustine is saying that he is actually tuned in to uh, to uh, Andrew's show a little earlier today. Like I said, it is a Wings Day here on uh, Just the Tip. Our dude, uh, Danny Hoban, going to be joining us here in just a little bit, so that way we can talk about all of the uh, happenings going on in the baseball world. A lot of stuff actually surrounding the baseball world. Before I get into any of that, though, uh, the NBA draft happening a little bit later on today. I'm super excited about that. I think I'm probably the only person that is uh, excited about that. Our friends over at All Four Downs Podcast saying it's good to see you are on here. I am on here 
Monday through uh, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Twitter, on Twitch, on the various Facebook live streams that I have going on uh, as well. So all four downs podcasts, you can always catch us here. I see my dude Danny has uh, has tuned in. So thank you very much, Danny, for yes, uh, joining us here. Uh, over there at the Apache Wing House, see the beautiful uh, uh, art behind you. Uh, what specials do y'all have going on today? Like, like what, if people went down there right now, what would you be pushing? So our family packs for sure. I think um, those are good. I mean, we, you get 30 wings for $30.99, plus you get a large fry. We have 30, 40, 50, 75, 100. Those are all good. Um, and if you were to come in for lunch, our lunch special is killer. Um, we have uh, the, the small lunch special for $5.99, six wings, fries, and a drink. And then we have the large one uh, that's eight wings, fries, and a drink for uh, $7.99. So, yeah, it's good. And that artwork back there is – that was Juan and I. Not the beer mugs, but where it says – how do I get out of the way? The El Paso Wing House. That's Hobby Lobby right there. I love that place. Oh, okay. So, so you're like one of those Hobby Lobby enthusiasts. Absolutely. Man, if you, you can group on there, if you really take your time, save some money. Good stuff. Uh- Augustine was asking if you have boneless. Yes, they have boneless. Yes, they also have uh, uh, cauliflower wings as well for the uh, vegan options. Yeah, correct. Actually, vegetarian because there is a little bit of cheddar cheese in the ah. breading. But so, yeah, but we do. Yeah, vegetarian. And they're really good. I mean, we tested them out. We're like, eh, I don't know about cauliflower wings. And they taste like boneless wings, honestly. But it's, but it's a vegetable. So, yeah, they're good. Uh, Blanca was asking, are the wings good? I'm down to go try. And do they have pickup, website, phone number, all that good stuff? Uh, they, they do. All you got to do is follow them on all their various social media. Uh, El Paso Wing House, like, trust me, whenever I say this too, those wings are game changers. Uh, our dude, Cool Fernie, uh, actually said that he missed the entrance due to the construction, but worth the turnaround, the minor gold. I've been pushing that thing like a madman, dude. The minor gold is life-changing, I'm telling you right now. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. That's my that's my favorite. It's our number one seller. That and lemon pepper, battle it out for the number one spot. And uh, yeah, it's good. I, I I picked up some on Saturday. I want to say, and like I couldn't for the life of me remember what it was that we were talking about. And I have it etched in my brain right now. It is the peanut butter and jelly wings. I will be trying those uh, later on this week because once again, I'm a big fat guy. Why wouldn't I try uh, something different? Uh, so that's what I'm going to go with. You actually. I, I, I think it was you that mentioned the spicy garlic wings. And I was super surprised with how much I love those damn wings. Yeah, that's that's my number two. That, that's my second favorite, close second behind Minor Gold. Um, real simple recipe, but man, those are those are killer. Yeah. Uh, Dana Morales saying that Hobby Lobby is her sanctuary. <laughs> Same here. I love that freaking. If you give me, like, I got to go there with, like, a budget. Because if you give me, like, a stack of money to go in there. I could just go crazy. I mean, they have like a whole section for, for guys too, like where you can like mm-hmm. set up your man cave and like all that stuff. And, and it's cool there. Uh, some of the stuff that's hanging up back here purchased at Hobby Lobby because I am that guy. Like, like I'm 100% the dude that needs to have, you know, the pimped out man cave and all that good stuff. For sure. Also for aesthetic, like it's aesthetically pleasing. Like you, you don't get to focus on this, you know, gorgeousness here. You get to focus on the Dallas Cowboy stuff hanging out in the background. There you uh, go. Dana Morales asking what the top selling flavors were. I believe we said that it was a minor gold and the lemon pepper are the top selling ones. I think I, I, I'm going to do this, Danny. I'm going to take credit for the minor gold uh, selling the way they are just because I'm a big fat guy and I want to take credit because I'm selfish. Yes, you deserve all the credit <laughs> in the world. If it wasn't for you, we probably would have taken them off the menu already. <laughs> I love the fact that, that you placate to my uh, 
to, to just how dumb I am. Uh, our friend Blanca asking, what are the hours? So what, what hours are you open, Danny? So 11 a.m. Uh, until 9 p.m. for dine-in, but we do uh, takeout and delivery until 10, Sunday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday till 11. We use our own delivery people. We do have Uber Eats and um, DoorDash, but we, we use our own people to deliver uh, that food that's important to us that we, we get it to, um, you know, in the best quality. Uh, and, and yeah, you can go to ElPasoWinghouse.com and place uh, orders on there for delivery as well. It's a little bit cheaper when you go to our website as opposed to DoorDash or Uber Eats. Um, so go there and we do deliver within a seven mile radius. So we go, we go pretty far out. I cannot stress this enough. Those wings are amazing. Do yourself that favor. Go get them. Uh, Danny, of course, not just here to talk about uh, all the wings, although I can probably just have a conversation with him for an entire hour about how I'm a big fat guy. And I love to have uh, my uh, my wings in my mouth. Augustine giving you a little bit of kudos, <laughs> saying that uh, using your own people, that is awesome. So once again, uh, you're doing good stuff out there. Our friend uh, Eric Deus saying you should totally do an Aggie-inspired wing. Probably won't be probably won't be popular because of Jutep. Uh, go egg. <laughs> I, I think I, Derek lives in Las Cruces. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's talking about those Aggies, like New Mexico. Like you're not even the most popular Aggie, man. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought know, he was talking about Texas A&M. Yeah, you know, but those poor New Mexico State fans, you know, they're like the little Chihuahua running around with all the Dobermans, and they're like the loudest one. So it's it's all good, man. Derek, go Aggies, baby. There you go. Go, go Aggies. I, I feel like that was a sarcastic go Aggies. <laughs> you can't clown on my UTEP, man, you know, and he knows that. I know Derek, too, so he knows that. So so are, are you like a hardcore UTEP fan? Like, like I, I, you didn't strike me as a hardcore UTEP fan. No, not not a huge uh, UTEP fan, but I did. Uh, yeah, their basketball team is good. Um, but uh, I, I did work up in Las Cruces for a little bit. And it's amazing that it's like, what, 30 miles from the west side or whatever it is. And it's a completely different world. And everybody in Las Cruces thinks it's all crazy down here in El Paso. And everyone in El Paso says how crazy it is up in Las Cruces. And it's just completely like I had a UTEP lanyard that I would wear at my job up there. And I got so much crap for that. People from NMSU would come in and be like, you better take that off. And I'm like, you guys finished dead last last year in, in football, right? Or whatever. Like I would talk a lot of crap. So I became a UTEP fan working up there just to clown on the Aggies. You were like, you finished 130 out of uh, 131. Utah finished 129. So exactly. we, we are still better than you. That one counts for a lot. Absolutely. Uh, especially when it comes to Utah and this rivalry. Uh, everybody tune in. Like, like, stay here. We are going to be giving away a, uh, uh, a two-pack to go ahead and eat a lunch for two over there at the El Paso Wing House. doesn't necessarily have to be lunch. It could be used at any time. Is that right? That's correct. So – I wanted to ask you this question because there's been a lot of stuff like, like normally baseball in November is super boring. Like there's nothing going on. Mm-hmm. But we've been like slapped around with all the stuff going on with baseball. We got the hall of fame votes coming up soon. Uh, uh, the Marlins doing a fantastic job with the hiring of Kim Ang uh, and Theo Epstein leaving. You also want to talk about Tony La Russa and Robinson Cano, sir. I will let you start off wherever the hell it is you want. Because, like I said, this is a jam-packed amount of baseball stuff. Amazing. You're right. And normally in November, you're searching for stuff to talk about. And I'm such an avid fan that I'm, like, constantly watching just to see if it is. But it's never this busy. So, for sure, first thing, the Kim Ng uh, hire by the Marlins I thought was so awesome. 
uh, a lot of uh, other reports that I've listened to or, or other, you know, podcasts or whatever are talking about how if it was 50, if she was a guy 15 years ago, she would have been hired as a GM. And um, which is unfortunate uh, because she's, she's just that knowledgeable and that good uh, at what she does. Um, she's been vice president of operations for the, for the LA Dodgers when she was the AGM out there in like 01, I think until uh, like 2011, I think like almost 10 years. Then she went on to be the vice president of baseball operations for major league baseball under Joe Torre. Um, she was with the Yankees from 98 to 01. Um, so it's really cool for you because you being a Yankee fan, she's constantly surrounded by Yankees and, um, you know, Brian Cashman really groomed her a little bit, uh, back when they won those world series. Uh, and then now going to the Marlins, uh, to be under Derek Jeter and to work side by with, uh, Don Mattingly. Uh, it's a, it's a great thing as if that club didn't have enough momentum already being, you know, top, I think they were ranked, uh, preseason last year, like number 22 of 30. Um, so not very good. And they made it all the way to the playoffs. Like what a job Don Manningly did one manager of the year. Uh, and then they go and make a hire like this. And I think she's just going to make some serious noise and some major waves. And it's going to be great for that organization. Um, I, I am super like excited about what the Marlins are doing, mainly because I feel like what they're going to do is become a farm system for the Yankees. Yeah. And you know, it, they, and that's kind of what Derek Jeter did when he first went there traded uh, Giancarlo Stanton or Mike Stanton, how it used to be, uh, traded him right away, got rid of that huge, uh, yeah, huge contract. I got rid of Christian Yelich, not got rid of. I mean, they were, they were MVP caliber players and, and that he was trading away, but he was getting rid of those salaries to get a bunch of prospects. And he got a lot of crap there for a couple of years. And what's Jeter doing and this and that. Now it's all starting to pay off. And with that piece of Kim Ainge coming in, uh, Kim Ainge coming in, like that's a, a, such a great thing. Um, so yeah, watch out for the Marlins, man. They're going to, they're going to tear it up. I like normally I'm not excited about like other teams. I, I, I think I, I mentioned this uh, uh, a while back ago. I always have like a team from another conference. Like as a Cowboys fan, I root for the Browns just because I want them to do good. Like it sucks having a lifetime of nothing to fall back on, especially if you're a Browns fan. I normally like find myself rooting for the Atlanta Braves, although I feel like their fans are getting more and more annoying to me. So I feel like I might be swinging my allegiances over to the Miami Marlins just because of the Yankee connection they have. Like, like, am I a jerk for that? Because I'm not giving up on my Yankees. I'm just like, you know, moving over to Yankees NL. Yeah, exactly. Completely different division, uh, different conference. They play in the National League. Yankees play in the American League. And it's full of Yankee people right now. And so, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I do the same thing. I, I've always followed uh, the – well, since 04, when I was a senior in high school, I followed the, uh, the Boston Red Sox. I know you hate to hear that. Uh, but that was like a huge – you know, time for them. And, you know, I really watched a lot of those things. So I would always follow them because they, they're grunt. You know, they, they, they play the game right. They play hard, like whatever. But they're also in the American League. I'm a Diamondbacks fan, National League West, American League East. Um, so I, I, I totally get it. There's nothing wrong with that. I feel like you say these things just to hurt me. Like, like the Diamondbacks <laughs> thing and now the Red Sox thing. Like, I feel like you're doing that just to simply hurt me. No, man. Come on. No way. Listen, we've been – friends since the day you made fun of my Diamondbacks hat on the first day I met you. So <laughs> that, That's how you knew it was going to be a lasting friendship whenever someone comes in that you just meet and they bust your balls right there over your team. Yeah, and, and we've been so bad the last couple of years, like you needed to kick us while we were down. Like We had the worst year ever. Like this year we signed Starling Marte and we you know got all these you know big pieces of the puzzle and then we ended up trading them all away at the trade deadline because we were so bad and then you come in you laugh at my hat and you come from the Yankees the winningest program of all of baseball 
And now you're getting all sensitive, you know? Whatever. Well, I mean, un- until the Yankees can redeem themselves and beat the Diamondbacks in extra innings of Game 7 of the World Series, I am going to be that type of guy. Like, that's that's how I want things to end. Uh, I've mentioned it a million times, like Cubs fans, I wanted them to die sad. I wanted it to be Game 7, extra innings, losing to the Indians, yet it didn't happen. Like, we, we had two of those three happened. It was just not in the cards that day. Oh, yeah. And you know what? That Indians-Cubs... Uh, game I was watching game six uh, the other day and when who was it Raja Davis hit a home run off of uh, Heraldus Chapman uh, also uh, Jason Kipnis hit like a 400 foot foul ball down the right field line that if that would have gone as a home run Cubs fans would still be sad and then they'd be super sad because of Epstein leaving today and now they're they're done but for the next couple of years so you, you think they're done well, and, and honestly, uh, Theo Epstein came out and said that he, you know, planned on being there for 10 years. He's been there for nine. I can't believe it's been that long. I feel like he'd been there for four or five years. And then when I saw nine, I was like, wow, that's crazy. But here's, here's where, you know, a lot of the speculation around the league is, is, you know, they're looking to trade Chris Bryant. They're looking to trade Kyle Schwarber. They're looking to possibly trade Javier Baez. Um, and I think that's possibly something that Theo Epstein – you know, and he came out and said that too yesterday in his press conference that he said, you know, there's going to be some major moves in December. And I think that uh, during those major moves, whoever's in this chair needs to be there for the long run. Like I planned on staying here 10 years. We don't want to make these major moves right now. And then me bounce a year later uh, when they could possibly be in the middle of a rebuild. Um, he even said that himself. So uh, I don't think they're done. I, th- I think though the Cubs, They've got a lot of money. They've got a lot of, uh, you know, good leaders. This, uh, the guy that took over for him, Jed, what's his name? Jed, Jed Hoyer, like the old GM for the Padres and all that stuff. Um, he's kind of been Theo Epstein's little, you know, um, you know, sidekick even in Boston and things like that. So yeah, I think they'll be fine, but they are going to, I think, reach that rebuild for a couple of years, trading away some of those big names. So, yeah. And Cubs fans can't be, like, upset, right? Like, they, they have their championship. They said they would do anything for their championship. I want to see Chris Bryant uh, as a Yankee, maybe even Anthony Rizzo. Like, why the hell not? Like, like I'll just trade those guys for, like, peanuts. Like, like maybe the guy that's, uh, like, the best beer vendor at Yankee <laughs> Stadium gets sent over to Chicago for Anthony Rizzo. I mean, you want to save money, so you send Rizzo and Chris Bryant over to the Yankees. I think that's a good trade. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've seen salary dumps like that before in the past, uh, but for a beer vendor – I've never seen it done, but hey, anything's possible, especially this year. Hey, I mean, it's 2020, so yeah, like every every everybody should be available for trade. Like it, it's really that simple. I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh, so, so what are your thoughts? Like, where does Theo Epstein go next? Like, like how does this impact whatever team he he goes to? Because Theo Epstein is like a historic dude, and like, granted, it's two teams I hate. But you will never find somebody that can turn around two franchises the way that he did and break these long-standing curses that you know losing streaks basically that they've had for one of them 84 years the other one 108 years and was able to get them on the map as like look this is how you spend your money right this is how you win a championship and he was able to do that for him i don't think we'll ever see somebody else like that and the thing is he's only 49 yeah yeah he's he when he was in boston when they won that championship in in 2004 i think he was like 30 Mm -hmm. i can't remember he was a kid though i mean he was uh, you know, he was, he's, people say that he's a similar to, to, to Billy Bean from the Oakland A's. He, he kind of follows that same guideline, uh, very, um, you know, looks at the stats, like really focuses on, 
on analytics and and things like that and and you know and that's and even even when they won the world series in 04 and 07 in boston he got he got some crap saying that that was the previous gm that brought in all these prospects and blah blah blah. well then he went to the cubs which was a really bad organization when he went over there nine years ago uh and won them a championship and so he can literally go wherever he wants he came out and said that he wants to take a couple years off be a dad you know all those things i call bs i think he's too competitive uh, to just take a couple of years off when he's literally in the middle of his prime. Um, he could end up with the Phillies. Uh, they don't have a GM right now, and they're in desperate uh, need of a GM. And um, they're making some questionable, questionable moves, not signing you know, JT Real Muto to an extension. Now he's a free agent. They might lose him to the division rival Mets, um, who is another club that needs a GM. Um, you know, Cohen making that huge purchase now that he's the owner of the New York Mets. They need a GM. They cleaned house with all the front office guys. So that would be a good piece there. Um, but, you know, there was a couple sources that came out that he that said that Theo Epstein said that he's for sure not going to take the Phillies or Mets job. He's not going to talk to them. He's going to take a couple of years off. So I guess that's possible. Um, but something I heard the other day, and I even texted you about this the other day, is that the Indians um, GM, um, Mike Chernoff, I had to look that name up, uh, he – is currently the GM for the Indians, uh, and he was given the right or he was allowed to interview for the Mets uh, president of baseball operations because it is a promotion for him. It's not a lateral move. Um, some of these other guys, uh, the, the president of baseball operations out in Milwaukee, uh, asked if he could interview for the job too, and Milwaukee said no. Um, and I think it's because maybe it's a lateral move. The Indians don't want to necessarily hold anyone back. And if he's got an opportunity to be at a higher level as pre uh, president of baseball operations with the Mets, they're allowing him uh, to do that. So what that does is if, if he goes and interviews and gets that job, that opens up the Indians job possibly for Theo Epstein, which, you know, Tim and Terry Francona went in those world series back in Boston. It could be, you know, I heard that that could be a more likely move if if Chernoff goes to the Mets uh, as opposed to him going uh, uh, Epstein going to the Phillies, you know, or the Mets. Um, but like you said, he's just one of these boy genius, like freak of nature's out there that uh, has done things that nobody else can do. I just don't see him taking a couple of years off. I, I think that he's going to end up with one of these high powered uh, organizations. Um, I mean, man, I, I would love to see him uh, with the Mets. Uh, the Mets are just one of those teams that, you know, you have all the hope in the world, kind of like the Cowboys. Sorry, great Cowboys fans. <laughs> they got all the money and all the hope in the world. You know, they, they've got this great pitching staff, or they did the last couple of years with the Grom and Syndergaard and all these people, and they just can't put it together. Now Kenobi and suspended for a year today for using PEDs. Um, and I just think it's kind of a tough, it's a tough thing. Um, but yeah, I would love to see him end up with, with the Mets because Cohen's came out and said that he wants to spend a lot of money uh, and he wants to win. And he even said in a press conference in his, in his opening press conference that if he doesn't win a, a world series in the next three to five years, uh, he'll be very disappointed in himself, which is, you know, saying that out loud and that you're going to be held accountable in the next three to five years. So uh, <laughs> I just think having Theo Epstein would be great for them. I also feel like that's what an owner should say. Like it's the same thing with like a coach or a player. Like whenever you ask a player, are you going to win the game? The player better say yes. Or yeah. like, like, like they, come on. Like, like that's what you have to say. Like we're here to win a championship. So that's uh that's uh that, that's what they're looking for right there, man. Uh, yeah, I agree. You, you did get a question where uh, Rob Hoban was asking, when does El Paso Winghouse open a Colorado Springs location? This is Danny's non-pro athlete jackass brother. 
<laughs> Listen, we have a plan. Okay. He knows this. His wife, uh, who's a super good friend of mine, she is in the restaurant business. So if we ever open up one there, she can run it. And then my brother can retire. So, so, so there you go. Uh, not, not a pro athlete though, but he'll be able to retire a little early. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yep. Well, well, what does Rob do? Because now, now that he opened himself up to that, like I wasn't going to read the jackass part. You read that. So <laughs> now that he opened himself up, like what does Rob do? Like, like now we're going to get to know Rob. Yeah. Okay. So just so you know, like uh, if you think I, you and I like go back and forth and I talk a lot of crap to you, he's 10 times worse. So anytime you see him comment, gloves are off. You can say whatever you want. Uh, huh. But he is a real estate agent in Colorado Springs. He sells residential uh, real estate, does a fantastic job. He used to manage restaurants too. Uh, and he got out of it. Um and yeah, so he's just, he's, he's a good dude. Uh, he's 16 months older than me. So I literally like reach out to him for everything. I call him for advice. I call him, you know, for anything. He's just a, a, a great big brother and a, and a true role model. So good, good dude. See, my big brother is uh, nine years older than me. And like you talk about beating the hell out of me though. That's what he, he's also six foot five. You've seen me, I'm only five ten. So like, like there's a huge difference there of like just grabbing somebody, wrapping them around in duct tape. Like that, that was uh, <laughs> my childhood growing up, man. He even sprayed my hand. I think I was like six years old. Like he sprayed my hand with a uh, 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 hairspray and then lit it on fire. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, like, it, it, it was not a fun time for your boy growing up. Uh, I'm glad that your brother Rob, who is once again not the pro athlete jackass brother, um, he, I'm glad that you know he's a good big brother to you. So that, that that makes me happy. Yeah, he's he's a good dude, and he's also a fan of the podcast. So I just had to put that up there. I saw you reading it too, which uh, which made me happy as well. I like the way you had to squint at that. Like I'm now I, I'm now happy knowing that I'm not the only blind person on this show right now. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, when I saw his name pop up again, I was like, oh, God, what did he say now? And I looked, and it was actually a nice thing. So I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, you're going to be like, the gloves better not be off or some shit <laughs> like that. Like, he's like, just wait till I see you again. Uh, yes. So, so who's bigger? Is he, like, bigger than you? Like, I know he's older than you, but is he taller than you? Is he bigger than you? I want to say he's, uh, like, an inch taller than me. Um, growing up, I was always a little like bigger than, than he was. Like I played football and, and basketball and baseball in high school. He played just strictly basketball. He's an avid NBA fan, super good. Um, played in junior college a little bit or whatever. And uh, so he was always thinner than I was. Um, but now I think we're almost the same. Yeah. We're about the same size. So when we do go at it, it's a good fight, man. <laughs> well, uh, now, now that's what we need to stream next is just like the, the family squabble between the two of you <laughs> well like thanksgiving happened uh we'll make sure you're socially distant maybe you guys just throw stuff at each other uh but uh, yeah that, that needs to be streamed coming up next is like the next fight you guys have all right got it we'll set it up I, and i want to get his thoughts now because like you said he's a big nba guy like i want to get his thoughts on everything going around in the nba so rob if you're still watching right now uh, go ahead, type in who you think is going to go number one overall. The NBA draft is today. I actually have a complete page worth of NBA stuff right here. Uh, nice. To talk about it. I even have a graphic that I'm going to bring in here uh, as well. This is all my baseball stuff. So that, boy. that's how you know your boy was getting prepared to there actually go. come on here and talk about uh, baseball today. Because once again, nobody talks about baseball in the middle of November. But right. like, it's, it's, it's just such an abnormality that anyone's going to ever talk baseball this time of the year like maybe in december whenever the owners meetings and all that happen the winter meetings and all that never never in november man so like i'm geeking out about this yeah i agree it's been a very busy busy off season right now and yeah it's it's crazy 
I love the fact that your big brother is gassing you up like this. When he says that you get all the girls, he just tells the jokes, and you're you're the strongest as well. I like like I absolutely love that. I, I'm also not buying it. Like I know he's gassing you up. I'm not buying right. it one bit, Rob. Yeah, no, he. I don't even know what to say to that. I'm surprised he put that out there in the for everyone to see. You know. Well, well, I, uh, I I did ask him so like I I want to get his opinion on this. I asked him who he thought was going to go number one overall. He said Lamelo. He's not a big fan of him, but a six foot seven point guard with uh, premier confidence and vision and all that stuff. Like like he's he's a solid player, but you also get Lavar with that. And I don't know how much Lavar brings down that draft stock. But then you look at the other guy who's uh you know rated number one overall right now. Like everyone who they're projecting to be the number one overall pick out of uh, Georgia, Anthony Edwards, literally said yesterday, I cannot watch basketball. But, like, he's so bored with basketball, watching it on TV, that he cannot do it. He's a bigger fan of the uh, of the uh, NFL than what he is of the NBA, the league that he's going to go play in. You're pulling the strings here. Which one of those two do you draft? Uh, man, I, I wouldn't want to deal with LeVar, honestly. I <laughs> Uh, no matter how good the, and my brother and I talked about this a couple of days ago, actually, no matter how good he is, um, that's just something that you're always going to have to deal with. I think they projected him going number three overall to the Charlotte Hornets, I think is the last I saw. Um, so I don't know. I, I would take Edwards from, from Georgia. I don't even know who that is. Uh, but the fact that he's ranked number one and he doesn't have the last name of ball, I'll, I'll take him. See, I, I love that as well because, like, even I had to, like, start doing some deep dives into, like, who the hell the draft people were because the last time we saw this was, like, the early part of March. I don't think anybody really remembered, like, oh, wow, that was this year because it feels like it was just so damn long ago with everything that happened. Like, that was the stuff, the, the, the predecessor to all the shutdowns was the NBA and the NCAA break, you know, calling it quits. But the NBA came back and gave us something. Like, we forgot all about these guys. And for most people, and, like, I am an avid basketball guy, but I don't watch every college game, you find out who these people are in the NCAA tournament. They didn't have yeah. that this year. So there's, like, a lot of question marks to me. Like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. This dude's, uh, you know, 6'8", and he's a point guard. So, hey, that's uh, good on him. Like, like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so happy for him. <laughs> So I went and I, I I did something a little different my way, and we'll we'll get back to uh, the baseball talk. And I know you're chomping at the bit to talk some more about some baseball, but <laughs> I, I took the time, Danny, to create this graphic right here. I don't know if you can see it because the, like, I can see it. Okay, there we go. This is my top ten list of the NBA draft picks by the number that they were drafted at, and you'll see right here that at number ten I have Paul Pierce and David Latin. I got to give a little bit of love to uh, UTEP because I know the UTEP nerds will get mad. Also, <laughs> surprised that David Latin was the highest pick out of UTEP. That was like 1967, I want to say. Like, it, it was very, very, very long time ago that right. UTEP was relevant in basketball. Right. <laughs> but I'll stop dumping on them right now. Number nine, I have Dirt Nowitzki and Tracy McGrady. Yes, most people are going to say you got to have one person on your list. My list do not have any rules on them. They're my list, and I go that way. Number eight, I have uh, what I thought was the weakest draft pick of all time whenever you look at, like, all of the 74 years that they've been doing NBA draft picks where all you can do is go back to 1958 to find, like, one singular Hall of Famer, and that is Sam Jones. But the number eight pick, like, if I had the number eight pick and I saw that, I would trade that damn thing away because chances are it ain't going to work out for you. Uh, no, Number seven, Steph Curry. I mean, 
I, I don't care what other names are even on this list. Like I see Chris Mullen. I, I had to like go look back and I saw Chris Mullen. Nobody compares to Steph Curry right now, man. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not even drafting LeBron over Steph Curry. If I'm building a team right now, like Steph Curry just changed the entire game. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Number six. And he saved this entire pick because it was going to be another one of those number eight, like picks where it's just garbage people. Larry Bird. Thank God for Larry Bird because the next big name at number six drafted in the NBA was Robert Tractor Trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have no idea who the Tractor Trailer is. Robert Tractor Trailer. Was he like 2000s? Uh, yeah, he was like drafted like 98, but yeah, like, like he, he was like maybe six, seven and like 305 pounds. I remember him. Yeah. Barely, but I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he had like a good, you know, two week span there where he had like five rebounds. Uh, <laughs> number five, this one to me was like the most loaded category I have on here. Kevin Garnett, uh, Charles Barkley and Dwayne Wade, but I'm also going to throw out some names here because this is like surprising to me. You got Scotty Pippen. You got Vince Carter. You got Ray Allen. You have Walt Frazier, Daryl Dawkins. Like, I, this is loaded wow. with Hall of Famers. And that's just like the names. Of, like, whenever I was looking at it, I was like, look, I'm not going to, de- like, I, I found enough. I wasn't going to deep dive all the way back to 1950. Number four, not so much. I had a little bit of an issue with this. I went with Chris Bosch uh, on here, Russell Westbrook as well. But Dikini Matumbo's there, and he's famous for saying, no, 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 no. So yeah. maybe, maybe that's the route that I go. Number three, come on. Easy. Yeah, like Michael Jordan. If You're not picking anybody over Michael Jordan. Uh, the people that didn't pick Michael Jordan at two or one should be kicking themselves. I know they got Hakeem Olajuwon. You missed on Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, number two, Bill Russell. He has the 11 championships. That's enough said. I was also surprised at this because it seemed like there were a lot of draft busts at number two. I wanted to put Jason Kidd in there. Jason Kidd, to me, not on the same level as Bill Russell. No. Nah. But this is like where you have the olden Polynesians drafted. This is where you had Lamelo or uh, uh, Lonzo Ball drafted, mm-hmm. and kind of feel like this is where the bust happened in the NBA. And then, of course, people are going to dump all over me because I'm showing my homerism here. <laughs> Tim Duncan <laughs> over LeBron James, yes, Tim Duncan right now, just because I saw ESPN do like something like this is where I got the inspiration at, and they had like a top 10 of the number one overall picks. Like who was the best number one overall pick in the history of number one overall picks in the NBA. And I mean, you're talking about like Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and like all of these other guys. And they put LeBron James over him, over all of them, like even Shaq. And I'm like, what the hell are we doing, man? (laughs) So me being mad at ESPN, I bring in Tim Duncan. I say that's a solid damn list, Danny. That's a great list. And I'm, I'm glad you put Larry Legend on there. Of course, I'm a huge Larry Bird fan. When my brother and I play NBA 2K on, on PlayStation, we're always, we'll always do that because he lives in the spring, Colorado Springs. I live down here, and we'll play on PlayStation 4, we'll play online. And he always gets Larry Bird. He'll turn off fatigue so none of his guys get tired, and he'll just drain threes with him like the whole game. It's so annoying. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a great list. I thought um, I, especially the, the number nine pick, I think, was Nowinski and mm-hmm. uh, Tracy McGrady. I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, of course, I love Dirk being a Dallas Maverick and the way he played the game, but then Tracy McGrady is just one of those freak athletes that he could turn it on whenever he wanted. He could dunk, he could shoot good defender. So that was a great list, man. People were so mad at me the year that Tracy McGrady got inducted into the hall of fame because they were like, Oh, well he's better than Tim Hardaway or, or Tim Hardaway is better than Tracy McGrady. And I was like, okay, first off, Tim Hardaway never led the league in assists. He never led the league in any category at all. Tracy McGrady was like the best player in the NBA there for like a three year window. Like yeah. Tim, uh, t- 
Tim Hardaway never had that going his way. So I made a lot of El Paso mad at me whenever I came out with that hot take. And I'll say it again, Tim Hardaway does not belong in the Basketball Hall of Fame. But getting back to the uh, the MLB, all the stuff here, I got my dude, uh, uh, I was going to call you Chris Bosch. I got my dude, <laughs> uh, Danny Hoban, hanging out with me over here from the El Paso Wing House, located at 4028 North Mesa over on the west side of El Paso. I did mention that I was going to be giving away uh, some of those passes today, some of those uh, lunches for two. I was going to give away one, but there were two people on here that were talking a lot about it. And I don't like, I, I'm fairly positive they don't know each other. So, Danny, if it's okay with you, I'll give away another two today. How, how do Let's you feel do about? it. I okay. love it. Yes. So, I'm going to give one to uh, Blanca. She was asking a lot of questions. She seemed like she was very interested in it as well. And then I'm going to give another uh, pass out over to our friend Dana Morales because she was doing the exact same thing. I love seeing the interaction where people are actually interested in, you know, checking out the products of like our local establishments here in El Paso. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I love when people throw in comments like that, unless they're talking about the Aggies, Derek. <laughs> yeah, you don't get one. Derek can get a free side of French fries if he wants, but yeah, not, everyone else. Not is. even that. Whenever whenever he brings up the Aggies, he gets nothing, and he will <laughs> like it, sir. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about like the Baseball Hall of Fame, and <laughs> I have an issue with the Baseball Hall of Fame and the way that they get players into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Dana Morales super happy about it. She's saying, yay! Thank you so much uh, for, you know, the, the the passes as well. But the Baseball Hall of Fame is voted on by the Baseball Writers Association. I'm going to go off on this tangent once again because I hate the Baseball Writers Association. Um, first off, as a guy that's like a former athlete, how do you feel about that? And then secondly, whenever you look at guys like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, who have that, you know, stigma of steroids on them, how do you feel about them being on the outside looking in, do you want them to stay on the outside looking in? Like, how do you feel about all that? So that's that's a tough one because, well, the first one, the writers, the the BBWAA, the guys that, that decide all that stuff. Um, I don't, I just don't know how else like I would do it. I, and, and I'm glad I'm not in charge of, of deciding that because you're never going to make everybody happy. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I guess that that's just one way to do it is you've got all these guys that have been in the game forever and uh, they all have to have, I think, 75 percent of the votes is what you have to have in order to be elected into the Hall of Fame. They give you 10 years to do it. Um, you know, and a lot of these guys, like if you come on for, for year number one, like I'm, I was a huge, you probably don't know who this is, but Barry Zito fan, a lefty for the Oakland A's back in the early 2000s. Are you going to like I'm not going to know who, like I'm a lefty. Like, how are you going to pretend oh, like I don't know Barry Zito? And he had like that, he had that nice long. Yes, you do remember. Of course I do, man. Nice. Yeah. So he, he was one of my favorite growing up. He's on there. He'll, he'll, he won't make the hall of fame. Uh, he won a Cy Young in 03, I think, but. Um, he won't be on there, but it's his first year on the ballot. Now, if he doesn't reach just for anyone that doesn't know, if you don't at least get 5% of the votes in any of your years, like then you're automatically like booted out of the, the, the running or the ballot or whatever. So you have to get 75 to make and you have 10 years. So Roger Clemens, I think is in, I, I know Barry Bonds is in his ninth year. Roger Clemens is in his ninth year as well. Even Kurt Schilling's on there, but about the, about the steroids thing, I think that's, Man, and we just talked about this last week. We talked about how much it was Astros cheating and um, compared to like the steroid uh, usage and stuff like that. But I wrote some side-by-side -side notes here. All right. So Mike Mussina, you know who that is? Oh, yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> Freaking Yankee. All right. So Mike Mussina, 270 career wins. By the way, he's, he's in the Hall of Fame, right? Obviously. Mike, Mike Mussina is in the Hall of Fame. 270 career wins. Roger Clemens, 354. Uh, Mike, we've seen a career ERA 3.68. Uh, 
Roger Clemens, 3.12. Whip, Mike Mussina, 1.19. Clemens, 1.17. Strikeouts, Mussina, 2,800. Clemens, almost 5,000. Now, he did have 1,400 more innings than Mussina did. But still, he almost had $5,000, or sorry, 5,000 uh, strikeouts. Uh, All-star um, appearances, Mike Mussina, five times. Roger Clemens, 11. Now, here's the craziest one. So in case anyone watching doesn't know what the Cy Young Award is, it's in the National League and the American League for the voted the best pitcher based on their statistics. Most of the time it's based off wins, ERA, um, wins, ERA. I think whip is a, is a big part of it. What's the other one? Wins, ERA, and strikeouts are, are normally the, the big three. Those are um, Mike Mussina never won a Cy Young. He came close a couple of times. Roger Clemens has seven. So when it comes to something like that, it's like, yes, did steroids help? Someone like Roger Clemens, yes, I, I definitely think so. Uh, but did it help him so much that he won seven Cy Youngs because of them and he should not be in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. But, you know, that baseball is a funny sport. You know, it's just one of those things that, that all the athletes in baseball, like they, they treat each other with respect. They, you know, they don't show each other up. I know the bat flip's been a big thing in the last couple of years, which I'm not a huge fan of it. But for the most part, you don't trash talk. You don't show each other up. You don't cheat the game. There's a bunch of cardinal rules. Like, you know, if you're up 10 to nothing uh, and there's a guy on second and there's a single to center, don't send the guy all the way home. Stop him at third. You know, they've got all these little rules like that. And one of the big ones for them is, is this whole steroids thing. I mean, Robinson Cano just today got suspended for an entire year. Um, uh, Jake Diekman, I think his name is. He's a lefty. He used to play for the Rangers, and I, I don't know who he's with now, but came out and said lifetime ban. He's, he thinks that they should ban him li like forever. Um, and there was an article that came out back in 2018 when Robinson Cano got busted for performance-enhancing drugs the first time. This is the second time that he's gotten busted for it. The first time in 2018, a writer came out and said, well, he just blew his chances in the Hall of Fame. Now, that doesn't mean that that's true because some writer said it, but that's just kind of how the baseball community feels about the steroids um, era. Now, if, if it was one thing, like if it was like, you know, like I've heard of people eating like poppy seed muffins. That This, this happened to a guy on my team uh, when I was playing with the Rangers that he uh, ate a poppy seed muffin and it came out as he possibly had um, Adderall in his system. Uh, and it was like some weird thing. And obviously he didn't because he took another test and came up negative. But, you know, so if it was something weird like that, like I, I guess I would just look past it. But when it's as obvious as what Barry Bonds did and, and what Clemens did and um, the whole Mitchell report thing, honestly, I, I, and I hate to say this, but I, I'm 50-50. If Bonds gets voted in, I'm okay with it. I, I mean, if Clemens gets voted in on his 10th year, I know it's his ninth year this year, but – I'm okay with it just because they were so dominating. I mean, Barry Bonds is the all-time leader in home runs. I think he's the all-time leader in OPS, all-time leader in third all-time, third all I think, in RBIs. I mean, he's just arguably like, yeah, if he took steroids or whatever, uh, but not whatever, but he took steroids. Uh, and But he's if you put that in there, he's the game's greatest hitter, arguably the game's greatest hitter. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? I mean – who knows? I, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not in charge. I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make that decision because it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know, they do have an all-century team where they have like Sandy Koufax. They have, you know, all these like all-time greats on this all-century team that they made. And the only three guys that aren't on there are – or that, that are in the Hall of Fame uh, – or I guess all the guys that are on there, Roger Clemens is on there, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds is on there, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. Um, and it's strictly just because of the whole steroids thing. See, I, I have like this weird relationship with the 
like, like the whole steroids thing because and I've always asked this like like for every Roger Clemens how many batters did he face that were doing steroids that just didn't you know at that point in time whenever the Mitchell report came out you know get implicated with it how many pitchers did Barry Bonds face with that beautiful little bat wag that he had uh how many of those pitchers were doing steroids as well and like I I feel like the, the playing field is much more level than what we were saying it is or what the Mitchell report was trying to like like put out there because the amount of names that came out on the Mitchell report was astronomical yeah. when it first came out. So it, it, it goes to kind of tell you, oh, okay, there's a lot of people that, that could have been on here. And I feel like if the, le- if, if the playing field is that level, you can't take the moral high ground that a lot of these, uh, the, you know, baseball writers are doing because how many times have we seen them even come out and say, well, yeah, we kind of knew it was a thing that was going on back in 1998, but it was going to save baseball. So we didn't say anything about it. You're just guilty to me as the players doing steroids if you knew about it and you didn't say anything about it. So how can you, like as a baseball writer, sit there and be like, no, 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 we're not going to let them in. I knew that they were doing something wrong. I didn't say anything about them doing anything wrong, but I'm going to hold them to a higher standard than I hold myself. And that to me is kind of like like the hypocrisy of it all. And that's where I have my issue with the uh, the Baseball Writers Association. I'm going to put this back up here because our dude Rudy Saucedo put, I think time heals everything. It's time to vote Pete Rose in. Uh, how do you feel about the Pete Rose thing? I mean, I, I would I would like to see Pete Rose in before I would like to see someone like Barry Bonds in because that was just straight up making yourself way stronger than you naturally are and, like, you're hitting more home runs and all that stuff. Um, so the whole Pete Rose thing, I mean, yeah, I felt like he, he did his time, but the way – as hard as he played the game and his numbers, uh, you know, I, I – I think Pete Rose should have been should have been let in. But I think a lot of times, too, sometimes baseball and having all these writers be the ones that decide these things, like it almost becomes a political game. And like and what, what people don't like to see and, and you know, they don't necessarily they kind of go with what the rest of the, the, the community or the rest of the fans or whatever are kind of saying at times. And I think there was so much backlash that Pete Rose took for what he did that um, that they didn't vote him in. And, and yeah, but I think he should be allowed. in. I mean, what do you think? And once again, this goes to like everything that that I think of whenever you look at what the Baseball Hall of Fame is, it's what you did on the field. And to me, you cannot write the history of baseball without the all-times hit leader. You cannot write the history of baseball without one of the greatest pitchers that ever played in the damn game. And you cannot write the history of baseball without its all-time home run leader. Now, you can put whatever the hell you want to. You can say there is, you know, the allegations of whatever whenever it comes to these people, but you cannot hold them out of the Hall of Fame and then say that you have a complete Hall of Fame. And you can't take moral high ground whenever you have guys like Ty Cobb in the Hall of Fame that lynched people. Like, yeah. Like, like, and then, you know, you, you can't keep statistically, you can't keep a guy like Roger Clemens out. You brought up Mike Messina. I like to bring up William Spalding and uh, uh, Mordecai Three Finger Brown, who between them had a grand total of 50 wins as pitchers, but are somehow in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, and that's a good point. And that's why, like, maybe not this year. Like, Bonds got 60% of the votes last year. You have to get 75. So maybe not this year. This year, maybe he'll get 70. Roger Clemens got 61% last last year. Um, you know, so they're close. So if they hit it on their 10th year, I'm okay. It's kind of how I feel about Omar Vizquel. And he's on there this year, too, I think, for his sixth year or whatever the heck it is, to be into the Hall of Fame. Oh, fourth, fourth year. He got 52% of the votes last year. A phenomenal defender, you know, average you know, numbers hit 272 his whole year. Like wasn't a home run guy, you know, but 
it's like one of those that like when you first look at their stats, should they be a unanimous decision the way that like Mariana Rivera was like when you look at Omar Vizquel's stats, like, no, like he should not be on the, he should not be a first ballot hall of famer. Um, but if, if Omar Vizquel, like arguably one of the greatest fielders, fielding shortstops of all time, him, Ozzie Smith, like, you know, if, if Omar Vizquel makes it in on his ninth or 10th year, I'm okay with that. Like, his offensive numbers, he should not be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he did have 2,800 hits, almost 3,000, but he hit 272. I think he hit, like, I don't even know, like 80 home runs or something over his long career, three-time All-Star. I mean, but he won 11 gold gloves. And so, so that's how I feel about Bonds and Clemens. Like, should they be in the first ballot? Like, no, like, they should not be. If they made it in their ninth or tenth, would I be okay with it? I'd be okay with it. Uh, Rudy Salcedo was asking, what percentage do you need to get in? You need 75% of the vote to get in. You need 5% to stay eligible to uh to get in bobby abreu somehow also on this oh, uh, list which is which is awesome to see bobby abreu like as a yankees fan like he did nothing for the yankees but i loved bobby abreu because he was just a fat out of shape yankee and he reminded me of a throwback to babe ruth like that's 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 basically what he was for me but whenever you talk about guys like omar Vizquel and you talk about like like you know only three all-star appearances Man, you got to remember who the like who the people were that were ahead of him. It was like Nomar Garcia Parra, who for like a, a short amount of time was like the premier shortstop in the American League, followed by Alex Rodriguez, followed by Derek Jeter. Man, like you're not cracking that top three right there. So to even get three All Star appearances during that time frame, I think that's good on him, man. And like the yeah. best defensive shortstop I think of our generation. Uh, I'm telling you this: you would not want anybody other than Omar Vizquel behind uh, behind you while you're pitching. I, I will guarantee you that. Yeah, no way. I mean, he won. I think it was nine Gold Gloves in a row. And the guy to break that streak was A Rod. He's the one that broke it when he was with the Yankees, uh, or with the Mariners, or I don't remember who it was. But yeah, it was it was A Rod that broke his nine year streak of winning all those Gold Gloves in a row. And you're right, it's tough competition. I mean, honestly, the great the best athlete on the field. Is, play short i mean you have to have your best athlete play short he's got to have good range he's got to have an arm he's got to have quick hands um yeah your best guy's got to be at short so that's a tough that's a tough thing three all-stars for omar Vizquel. that's that's great 11 gold gloves though that's incredible so let's bring up the uh the elephant in the room whenever it it, it you know is a part of like baseball and all that stuff because like we, we spoke about it we kind of glossed over uh sammy sosa who's also on his uh his ninth uh year of eligibility as well uh gary sheffield up there with uh seven we did speak a little bit about the one and only kurt Schilling. yes how do we feel about kurt Schilling? because like as a regular season pitcher he was average to like above average there was like a, that that lights out season or two that he had with both boston and uh uh arizona i think there was like an outlier there with philadelphia whenever he was there Arguably the greatest postseason pitcher of all time, but during yes. the regular season, just an average guy. So, like, mm -hmm. like how do you weigh that? Well, yeah, and I feel like the, part of me is this is why I like actual like humans voting on these things as opposed to when college football did like the whole BCS and it was like this huge thing. Like, you know, I like that because then you can put in there like the playoffs. Like, I remember when. Sorry to bring it up, but like when he was in one playing against. The Yankees, when he started game seven, I think at the time he was 4-0 in the playoffs with like a .80 ERA, and he threw three out of his five starts were complete game shutouts in the freaking playoffs. I mean, that's unheard of. No one will ever 
probably break that again in one playoff. I mean, this year, I don't think we had any complete game shutouts in all of playoffs. I know it's kind of like a lost thing. Like bullpens are a huge part of the game these days and it's not complete games aren't as, but that wasn't that long ago. I mean, that was 19 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, I mean, here's some of his numbers. Again, Mike Mussina, 368. I mean, Kurt Schilling, two, uh, 346 and a 1.13 career whip over 3000 strikeouts. Uh, but yeah, 19 career playoff starts, 11 and two with a 2.23 ERA in the playoffs with a 0.97 whip. And he threw 133 innings in the playoffs. I mean, that's, that's in- incredible. But um, and he got 70% of the votes last year uh, in his eighth year. So I think he makes it this year. Whenever, whenever you look at a guy like Kurt Schilling and, and like you see that, and like I said, I, and, and I'm, I'm glad that you brought up like the playoff statistics and all that stuff. It's so weird to me that the baseball writers do this because it's the same people that vote whenever it comes to like rookie of the year and the MVP and all that. They take into account the entire career, like the, the postseason and the, uh, the regular season. And to me, there wasn't a better rookie this year. Then, old boy out of Tampa Bay, uh, uh, I, I'm, his name escapes me right now, the, the guy that hit 10 home runs in the postseason. Oh, uh, uh, um, yeah, Rosaria it, or whatever. Yeah, Ro- Dang, I can't think of his name. Yes. Rosarena. Rosarena, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, like, he should have won the rookie of the year just based off of, like the performance he did in the playoffs because no one has ever done that. Yet he wasn't even in the conversation for rookie of the year. So to me, it's like, oh, okay, well, wh- what do you weigh more? Do you weigh the postseason? Do you weigh the regular season? Because you're going to have inflated stats in the regular season if you pitch for some bad teams because they're just going to trot you out there and you're going to be able to do, you know, what it is that you do. How many yeah. times do you see, uh, you know, as, as we talk about like Barry Zito, like you were surprised that I knew who Barry Zito was. How many times with those bad, bad teams that he had in Oakland was he like the only option? But he was getting like you know twelve to fourteen Ks a game. <laughs> so yeah, look, even with even with a bad team, they're going to step up because they know you're the only guy there on the field, and they're going to rally around you. They play a little harder. I know this is going to be different for people to realize this. Whenever you have an all star pitcher in front of you, and he's got something he's working for, that defense tightens up behind him. Definitely, <laughs> like, like it, it, it's just the way that the game works. So for me, it's like how much of those numbers are inflated. Of course, you got to add in the the the, the postseason. But if you're going to add in the postseason, you got to do that for the for the awards as well, like MVP and Rookie of the Year and all that. Yeah, and and yeah, and I I always thought the same thing. Now, something I don't know, maybe you know this, but when they do the Rookie of the Year and they do Manager of the Year and they do all that stuff, are the votes already sent in before the playoffs even start? Or do they still vote afterwards? Because they could say, oh, I'm not going to, you know, give anybody any credit for, you know, what happened in the playoffs. But we're human. I mean, everyone's going to automatically think that. Do you know if they're turned in before the playoffs or after? If they are turned in before the playoffs, it's an absolute travesty. Because you have to include, like, like you can't have a partial NBA MVP, a partial, like, you know, game MVP for, like, the Super Bowl. Like, you have to go the entire season through. Think that that, like, that little bit. <laughs> Sorry, there's, there's, stuff, there's stuff going on behind you, man. It sounded like, it sounded like there was some dishes breaking. Oh, just... no. <laughs> it's ice going into a cup. Nice oh, and my God. Crisp. Yeah, those are some big-ass ice cubes. <laughs> I was about to say, man, those might be the biggest ice cubes. Uh, you could save uh, the, the Arctic Circle with what the <laughs> hell you've got coming out of that ice cube maker. <laughs> I apologize. Oh. <laughs> no, uh, but, but like going to it, like, like you got to add the whole season because, like, how – what. If you're putting in your vote before then, you haven't played the entire season, like you don't know. Well, like, and and the stats aren't going to change all that much. Like, a Rosarena had himself a hell of a postseason. He also had a pretty decent regular season that just put him over the top. 
in my yeah. opinion, as far as like the most valuable rookie out there. Yeah, and I don't think it has to be. And I know that's not what you're saying, but like about they they have to make it to the playoffs, like you know, because the guy that won it, Kyle Lewis, like playing for the Mariners, like I mean, I he he wouldn't have a chance like this year, obviously, because he didn't make the playoffs or whatever. But it's like um, you know, should it impact them? Like absolutely. I mean, a lot of people won't put some of these people like Dan Marino or Charles Barkley into the greatest of all time conversation because they never won a championship. Like a lot of times, like people don't. You know, the playoffs and winning a championship and winning a World Series or winning the NBA Finals, like, is, is such a – if you want to know how, you know, the whole conversation of greatest players to play in the game and all those things, the first thing I look at is championships. Like, if they won on the big stage and you can say all you want about what the team was built around them or whatever, but, like, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it should have some sort of impact and they should be allowed to vote. I mean, these guys, these rookies making it into the playoffs and then into the World Series, and they're performing well at a higher stage than any of the other rookies did. I mean, they should get credit for that. I also feel, though, like baseball is the one sport where you don't do that, like where the championships don't necessarily matter because of just how one-sided it was early on with like the Yankees and the way that they won a lot of those championships, uh, the, the, the Cardinals the exact same way. Um, because you look at like these all-time legends like, like uh, Ted Williams, never won a championship. Ken Griffey Jr. never won a championship. Yeah. Barry Bonds never won a championship. And like I always felt like the championship argument was something that was always saved more for football, more for uh, the NBA, because you had so like so many dominating teams through like these expanded eras of baseball where not everyone was going to get a championship. Like, like how many great Cubs were out there that never won a championship? Like Ernie Banks, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, Ryan Sandberg. Like, like you had a lot of these dudes out there that never won a championship. And I felt like baseball was the one sport where the championship wasn't uh, – it, it didn't weigh as much as it does in some of the other sports. Are you telling me, like, as a baseball guy, like, the championship does matter that much? Well, I mean, not as much as NBA possibly because, and, and I think the NBA that might change a little bit with these power teams that they have now, um, where they basically just put like this all-star team together. I think guys like Jordan uh, and Magic and, and Bird, I think they'll get a lot more credit than maybe like you know LeBron because he's got you know he bounces around from franchise to franchise. He's what on his third team, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you compare it to Jordan, who was in Chicago those the, the whole time, except for I think he went to the Wizards at the very end of his career or whatever. So yeah, so with baseball, I feel like, you know, it's a little bit different. Um, but when I look at someone like Derek Jeter and the championships that he has or Paul O'Neill or like, you know, one of those guys, like I think that, um, yeah, they played for the Yankees and they played for a team that had a huge payroll and, and all that stuff. Um, but then you throw in like the year that the Colorado Rockies went to the world series against the Red Sox, I think was in 07 and they had a terrible payroll. Look at the Rays this year, low payroll, you know, Charlie Morton and, and some of these guys making, you know, Charlie Morton's always been a great, you know, playoff pitcher and he's always done well. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's a little bit lopsided when it comes to baseball because of these huge power, uh, you know, markets that are out there that have a ton of money. Um, but at the end of the day, though, like, yeah, I, I totally look at, at, at championships and, and um, as a part of if I'm great, if I, if I need to decide the top three baseball players to ever play the game uh championships being in there is something that i that i take seriously yeah absolutely 
Danielle Rochelle Hernandez saying, yes, talk more about Yankees. I I, I, I I could do this all day. I will oblige, ma'am. Um, the Whenever you look at the Yankees, like, like you've got right now Andy Pettit, who is also on this ballot for the Hall of Fame. Gary Sheffield, also on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. Along with my favorite baseball player growing up through that time frame, the one and only Bernie Williams. I have an uh, unrealistic like love for Bernie Williams and Ruben Sierra. I have no clue. Ruben Sierra. Nice. Uh, uh, yeah, out there in right field, lumbering around somehow, a right fielder. Uh, it, it was great seeing him. But like Bernie Williams, is he a Hall of Famer? Because I feel like even though he was very instrumental in those Yankee championships, especially early on, I don't feel like he makes it, and that pains me as a Bernie Williams fan. Yeah, and you know, I'd have to look up Bernie's like career numbers. I know it's such a huge part of the Hall of Fame, like number comparison and and, and things like that. I I can tell you that, that Gary Sheffield, he's in his seventh year. He's got I think he got thirty or thirty five percent of the votes last year, but he was on a weird list of possibly that he did steroids. I don't think he ever made it on the Mitchell report. Did he? That you know of? He was, but it was kind of like one of those like possible, like, you know, eight degrees of separation is what like had Gary Sheffield kind of implemented on it. Yeah. So someone like him, I mean, his, you know, his career stats, almost a 300, 300 hitter, hit over 500 home runs, nine time all-star world series champ. It does say Mitchell report on here NL batting champ. Yeah. I mean, someone like that, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's that's someone that had a, a great career, over 500 home runs, you know, almost a 300 hitter, you know, the nine-time all-star. I mean, that's all great, but you know, the whole Mitchell report thing. Like, if he if he actually was on there, I'd have to check my my source on that. But but then, I, I, if he was on there and he was a steroid user and he did get caught using that, that's someone who's on the fence of making the Hall of Fame. Who, in my opinion, should possibly you know be left off of it. Um, How do- how, how, do, how do we feel about a guy like David Ortiz? Because David Ortiz is also implemented on that uh, Mitchell report, was a DH. So it's not like he played a whole bunch of first base. He was like half a player. That's what that's what made uh, Edgar Martinez get into the Hall of Fame. That's what took him so long to actually do it. Whenever you look at a guy like, like David Ortiz, like I know he's a bubbly personality. Everyone loves David Ortiz. I found myself like loving him too now that he's no longer with the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, but whenever you look at that, is he going to be able to have enough to get to the Hall of Fame? Like, yeah, I know he's got over 500 home runs, but outside of that, he was half of a baseball player and then implicated with steroids as well. Yeah, and that's another one that it, to think of David Ortiz not in the world or in the uh, Hall of Fame is something that would stick out to me. I'd be like, what, really? Well, let's look it up. You know, like, yeah, like over 500 home runs. I think he had 550 or 540 or something like that. He, he had more than Gary Sheffield. I remember, but not by many, which was surprising because he was such a big time home run hitter and things like that. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm a national league guy anyway. So the whole DH conversation um, for someone that got to play the game, just, I mean, basically really they, and I know hitting in the major leagues is one of the hardest things to do in all of sports. Um, But to not have to play defense and, and to sit in the dugout and just go up to bat four or five times a game um, and then be, on the Mitchell report, uh, that's someone, again, that would probably be left off in my book. Also took Paul Malder a long time to get into the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame as well just because of the DH thing. I am, like, the opposite of that. Like, I lo- I think the DH needs to be a rule in every single damn league because, yes, you might have the hashtag pitchers that rake, which is very few and far between, but 
your pitcher's like the easiest damn out out there. And I know this is going to be weird to you because last week I think we were talking about like Dontrell Willis and uh, Carlos Zambrano being dudes that just absolutely raked the ball. Matt Cain, surprisingly, yeah. those guys as well. But I don't feel like your, your pitcher needs to be out there hitting, man, because he is way too valuable to your team. And then it's also just an easy out. Like he just stands there, takes the three pitches, and then walks back. Put the DH in there in the National League and make it more competitive. And, and it would be more popular for the game. Like, like some of us that just go all like, like I go diving all deep to baseball and things like that. Like, yeah, I, I love seeing pitchers up there that actually give a good at bat and they're taking good pitches and they're putting good swings on the ball. Like, like, I love that. It's like when Shaq got fouled and had to go to the free throw line, like you knew he was probably going to miss both of them, but you know, you, you appreciate the guys that the, the centers that went out there and took free throw shooting seriously when they knew they were going to go to the line, they knew they were going to get fouled. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, I would love to keep it, but if we're talking to try to get more people to watch the game and, and sell more tickets and have the game be more exciting and have a DH up there, like someone like a David Ortiz, like you said, or, or a Marcelo Zuna, who's getting kind of old to play in the outfield every day that he can go and DH in the national league for a couple of years and drop 40 home runs. I mean, that's, that's definitely more exciting. So, um, so I totally, yeah, I totally get it. I mean, we, we've seen like careers re, uh, like get revamped like nelson cruz being a dh like oh like, my gosh he, he has completely reinvented himself because people forget he was a pretty damn good outfielder too and now he's just like a guy that sits there and like you bring him in you know he's going to give you 35 to 40 home runs and that's all he gets paid to do mm-hmm. uh Salcido saying that bernie williams's clutchness was overshadowed by a dude named Derek jeter that entire team was overshadowed by that dude named Derek Jeter outside of maybe Mariano Rivera. And I feel like it's a travesty that one damn writer didn't vote for Derek Jeter. So therefore, Can he you believe that by one. Yeah. What was it? 99.7 or whatever percent of the votes for Jeter. There's that it, one guy. And it was the same thing that happened with Ken Griffey. Like, I want to know what it is because, like, they they should have to explain themselves what it is about Ken Griffey and Derek Jeter that you can't get behind to give them a unanimous uh, vote into the Hall of Fame. Because I remember growing up, it was like a big conversation on with if closers should even be in the Hall of Fame. That's what's taking mm-hmm. Trevor Hoffman so long to get in the Hall of Fame because they're like, oh, well, they only come in for a small amount of time. How impactful are they? Yet the one closer is the guy that gets the unanimous decision. Over yeah, Rivera. Peter. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, he was unanimous as a closer, which in the 80s and 70s, like that was not even a position. Like saves weren't even a thing. Uh, and now he was a unanimous choice. Yeah, that's a and, – and the more we talk about this, the more I side with you on this whole Baseball Writers of America Association. And, and not it's not a joke, but it's something that you're like, really? Like you're not going to vote in Derek Jeter like unanimously one guy like didn't do that. Uh, and you're not going to vote in the all-time home run hitter because of the whole steroids thing, but you're going to vote a closer in like unanimously. Like that's a head scratching. You see, and, and, and I feel like it should be left like this. And I feel like this would be an even uh, like, like a better way of doing it for the, the hall of fame is like you give a percentage of the vote to the baseball writers. And then you give like another percentage of the vote to the existing hall of fame members that are still alive. And because those are the people that you share the halls with, like it's like welcoming them into the fraternity. You know what I mean? And I feel like that would be a better way of determining a hall of famer than some writer being like, I didn't like Barry Bond, so I'm not going to vote him in. Or, ah, you know what? That Derek Jeter, he's going to get 99.7 because I won't vote for him. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, my, my only defense there like would be that I don't know who has the most players in the hall of fame, like per organization, if it's the Yankees or if it's, 
whoever it is. But I feel like a lot of times there that like if, you know, if Andy Pettit being on the, you know, the ballot this year again, um, Derek Jeter and Mariana Rivera and some of these Yankee uh, guys would would possibly vote him in just because they were on that team and they were teammates with him. And I know all the writers are going to do the same thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that that's a it's a creative way to do it. I, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I do think we need to change it, though, regardless. I don't think it should be up to these guys. But Rudy Saucedo saying that we should have an electoral college for Hall of Fame voting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Rudy. one way to do it. Rudy, draft that up, and we will we will present it to the baseball uh, uh, Hall of Fame. I will see if they actually agree with us. I have a feeling like they would just kick us smooth in the ass and get us out of that damn building as quick as possible. <laughs> we can ask though. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we can always ask, uh, <laughs> Danny. This has gone on a little bit longer than what I thought it would. Uh, I always look forward to this, man, because like we have a great conversation here whenever we're talking baseball, talking basketball, talking any of that stuff. Before I let you go, though, I, I wanted to ask you, and I will give you some statistics on this, about the NBA number one overall pick. Is that a pick that you would hold on to? Is that a pick that you would hold as like dear, or is that something that you would try to trade away? Depends on what I could get for it. If you could trade the number one overall pick and you could get like the number six overall pick and you could get the number – you know, 15 overall pick or whatever the depends on what you get back for it. And depends on what, where my team is right now. Like if I'm the Suns and we just, we have Devin Booker, we just traded for Chris Paul, you know uh, we've got Deandre Aiden at center as a few, you know, an ex like number one overall pick that hasn't really worked out. And I have another number one overall pick, then I would probably hang on to it just to keep building on to that. Um, but it just really depends on what the team needs are. Uh, it's not like fantasy baseball like like when i play fantasy and, I, and someone has the number one overall pick and it's a 10 team league you don't pick again until the very last pick the second round so you get the number one and then you get to pick number 20 or whatever it is at the very end so i would always trade that to number nine or, or, or to be like number five or six so I, I pick every 10 picks um so i could be more consistent um but when it comes to the nba and stuff like just depends on who the college guys are i mean if you have someone like like, uh, you know, back when I think it was 03 that it was Carmelo, Anthony, LeBron, James. And who was the third one? Who, who was the th was it Chris Bosh? No, I don't remember who it well, was. It, it, number one overall was uh, LeBron. LeBron James. Number two overall, as we talk about, like, how number two picks bust, Darko Milicic. Oh, yeah, Milicic. That's right. Uh, it was the map. Didn't he play for the Mavs? Uh, it was the Detroit Pistons. Oh, that Pistons. Picked him. And then Denver picked Carmelo Anthony at three. Then Chris Bosh, I want to say, was four. Dwayne Wade at five. Yes, that was a stacked, you know, lineup. So if I had the number one overall, like, and I was Cleveland, and I could trade – I mean, I mean, this is a weird thing to say because of LeBron and all that stuff, but if you could trade that away and get the number three pick and the number five pick, and you could have, you know, Chris Bosh or Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade on the same team out of college, I mean, that's, that's one thing. But, you know, why? What would you do? Well, this is what I wanted to bring up to you. Over the last 40 years – 1980 to now at 2020, only six number one overall picks have won a championship for the team that drafted them. Holy cow. It is James Worthy. It is Akeem Olajuwon. So now you're going back to like the 80s and the 90s. Uh, David Robinson and Tim Duncan, LeBron James, and Kyrie Irving. And this is after LeBron James left. Cleveland. Left and came back. Because he came back to the team that drafted him. That's why he's on there. Otherwise, it would be five players that have won themselves a championship for the team that originally drafted them in the last 40 years. That's the number one overall pick's success. Wow. 
Yeah. So, it's kind of like the number eight pick when there was that guy that I never – I didn't know who that was. If, if I got number eight, I'm trading that away. Sam Jones had, had 10 Jones. championships. Well, like he was a Boston Celtic. He was on that team that, that, uh, that Robert Parrish or not Robert Parrish. Wow. With my wrong Celtic here, that Bill Russell, uh, anchored down with like Bob Cousy and them were like oh. they won all the championships. Sam Jones was like a bench player on there that wound up winning 10 championships. Wow. We put way too much stock in championships. man. <laughs> uh, I know it's important though. Uh, for some people, like for me, not so much. Charles Barkley is one of the greatest of all time, despite not having a ring. Like, like he came in and he changed the game. But that—that's what I want to tell you is like oh, having that number one overall pick. You have to be able to keep that player there. And in a, like what we see now with player movement, I don't even know like how you're going to be able to keep those players there because like when Kawhi Leonard leaves the most winningest franchise in basketball's history because he just doesn't want to be there anymore. It shows you a, a weird route that we're going right now. Shaq left Orlando. Yes, he won a championship, but it wasn't for the team that drafted him. So now, okay, what do you get out of that number one overall pick where for the last 40 years, six players won a championship for the team that actually drafted them number one overall? I'm Which, honestly, and, and, well, honestly, you, you should say five because it, LeBron, like I don't think you can count LeBron because he left – and then they offer, you know, whatever. He was a free agent again. He got more money and came back. Like the whole point to drafting number one overall is to have them there and ha- win a championship with them because you drafted them. Like LeBron was just a signed free agent. So really five and 40 years. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that, that's not a great percentage. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not a good one. Uh, Danny, thank you so much for joining me today, my dude. Uh, remember, go check out the El Paso Wing House. You can order online. You can order on uh, the uh, – can they order via like your social media pages? Yeah, you can DM us on Instagram or Facebook too and put your orders in that way um, or go to ElPasoWingHouse.com and, and do the online ordering, whatever is easiest. You can even order the, over the phone and, and all that stuff, whatever is easiest for you guys. Again, I want to congratulate our winners, uh, Dana Morales and uh, Blanca, who won a lunch for two on behalf of us over here at Just the Tip and, of course, over there at the El Paso Wing House. Go check them out, 4028 North Mesa. The minor gold wings will change your life. And I'm not just saying that because I love them. I am saying that because I'm a fat guy and I know food. <laughs> yes, come check us out. We appreciate all the support, Mike. Danny, thank you so much, my guy. I will see you next week, everybody. I will see you tomorrow.